Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Welcome to Mindful Talk. Today's episode is Mindfully Parenting Siblings. Hi, Lauren. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. I I was reviewing our list of topics for this month, and when I saw that today is Mindfully Parenting Siblings, my first thought was, oh my gosh, I think I'm doing this so badly. Oh, same. (laughs) I was coming up the stairs and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go start our series on mindful parenting because man, I just feel like I'm so in the weeds right now and it's really tough. And so I'm constantly, this is the way I explain it to all my friends. I'm constantly seeing what's in my toolbox that works. You know, and I think all we can do as parents is share what's in your toolbox. And so I think that's what Lauren and I are hoping to do. By no means are we, oh, we both have crazy opposite siblings. She's got older, I've got younger. And so we want to discuss how you make everybody feel special and how you discipline different children because they're different and just topics like that. Mm hmm. I think we should start with the most important thing. And then let's dive down into details. When people come to me and ask, "Uh, how do I get some mindfulness for my child? I want to have mindfulness in my home or whatever the question is. The annoying always first answer is that it starts with us as the parent. And so I just want to offer that because when I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not practicing my own mindfulness, meditation, yoga, caring for my body, my ability to parent siblings well is pretty much non-existent. I get super reactive and mad at everything and blame them when really so much of it is that I'm not being a good container to hold the emotion and the energy that siblings bring to our household. So number one, parents, it starts with us sometimes putting our own mental and physical health first so that we have the energy to parent siblings. Well, I agree. I, I am a big believer in just taking a breath. It's like a human gift that we were given. And I, when I'm getting frustrated with the girls because they're fighting or something, the first sign that I have is my heart starts to race. And so I find for myself, the best thing I can do is to physically put my hand to that beating heart and then take a big breath in and let the breath go out. And then I'm able to like, I mean, it still may not all be pretty, but I'm able to come from a place of less reaction. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is, I've been doing that practice that just that act so long that when my girls see me do it, they know, and there's like almost a little bit of a settling and they know that mom's not grounded and things are, and we probably should kind of disseminate. 
And I'd say nine times out of 10, it really helps. And sometimes one of them will stop and put their hand on their heart and take a breath or just audibly do like horse lips, which I tell them that, which is, you know, you go mm-hmm. like that kids love that. And it does get a lot of that out. And so breath is just really easy, but it has to start with you. They're not going to understand those tools until they observe you as the parent doing them. It's so true. Like we could tell them things till we're blue in the face all day, but if we're not modeling that, it's not going to be as effective if effective at all. So the way we handle stress and conflict is going to be how they handle stress and conflict, not only as children, but as adults, we are modeling how they're going to react versus respond. It's a big job and we don't have to do it. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, I know that's, it's just so overwhelming. I know it's like these tiny people that are going to grow up and be grownups in a world that needs to be better and you want to make them better. But then as siblings, they're literally trying to kill each other. Do your kids try to kill each other? They do. And I, I see, I have the, the lens. I don't have siblings. So I didn't grow up with physical conflict or emotional conflict. I was by myself. I had really close friends and my awesome parents, but it's funny. My husband and I talk about this all the time that sometimes the fighting and the drama between them is so hard for me because I am not used to it. So I think something's wrong when he's like, Lauren siblings fight. This is just part of having a brother or a sister. And so I'm like, yeah, but, but like physically injuring each other, you know, whenever possible, which they're kind of growing out of, um, I will say through some, you know, but it's hard for me. Like I have to use all my tools to not jump in and try to fix every little conflict because some of it doesn't actually need my fixing. Some of it just needs to play out and have me kind of retreat into the background and let them figure it out. And that's been hard for me because I can't stand the noise. I can't stand the conflict. I just want it over. So part of my role right now is like knowing, discerning when to get involved and when not to. So my background, because you're right, like how you grew up and stuff, I had a particular stepdad who yelled a lot and yelling is a huge trigger for me. And so, and, and when someone says stop and that person doesn't stop, that's also like a really big trigger for me. And so the girls will be playing and they wrestle is what I would call it. They're like apes, but I Googled it and you're supposed to give them space to do this because it's healthy and it, they really are like little baby gorillas. And so I try to give them that space, but it gets so loud and it sounds so aggressive. And then the big one ultimately ends up hurting the little one just because it gets out of hand. Right. And it just, I can't, I'm like, oh my gosh, breathe, breathe, breathe. And I can hear them upstairs, you know? And so it sounds like a herd of buffalo above me. And I'm like, is this normal? is like, are people, are kids supposed to yell at each other like this? And the only thing that I know is I've asked the pediatrician many times and she, you know, they get real serious about it. And she's like, 
do, do they physically harm each other? And I'm like, well, they're not like cutting each other, you know, but they will punch or push. And she's like, that's just normal sibling stuff. She's like, it's just normal. You have to, um, you know, really, she told me separate, and this is what I practice. Um, separation is best because I was getting worn down with being the referee. And I felt like I, I felt like Barrett would come home from work and I'd be like, tough game today. Like, you know, I've been a ref all day long, separating fights and they'll play together for like two minutes and then fight for 20. And so my pediatrician was just like, separate them, Mm. separate them, go to your own corners, go to your own rooms. That's why we have rooms with doors so that everyone can go into their room and do their own thing. And they fight me about it a lot like they'll kick and scream and I remain as calm as possible. And I always do the breath thing before I approach the situation and then I separate them. And it's just the only thing I've found that it's, I don't even know sometimes that they're doing anything wrong, but I just can't physically handle the noise anymore. And so separation for sanity and me not losing my cool on them and mindfully parenting, i do the separation and I just breathe. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's great. And I think you can meet that intensity between them with the energy that you have. So like, if it's a day that you're feeling a lot of space in your head and patience, yes. let them fight it out, let them have their rumble, you know, that's and the day way that, to put it like, right? I do have those days. You're yeah. Right. And the yeah. days that you just don't have the patience and you're energy, you're tired and exhausted, then and you can't deal with the noise and the, and that energy, then go in and separate. But like, I think that's great. I think both tactics and just meeting it with where you are as a mom, because really going back to your container is what matters for the mental health of the family. Right. So you've got to take care of yourself and taking care of yourself means separating them. So they'll be quiet. You do that, you know? Yeah. What do you do? The other thing that we have is unkind words to one another. Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of like, just sometimes it just sounds hateful. And I'm like, where you never speak to anyone like that. You definitely never speak to me like that. Why would you speak to your sister like that? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, I think we have to really remember that this sibling relationship is the closest relationship they have. I really believe almost closer than to the parents because it's the other small person in their world that is their blood, you know? And I think along with that comes a lot of testing and struggle and risk and, and love like a real unique love. Yeah. Um, And part of that testing is how mean can I get to this person? How bad can I hurt them? You know what I mean? And I think that's almost kind of healthy. They're exploring those boundaries within a safe container. And so I've really had to change my perspective of sometimes I do feel like it's getting pretty personal and almost abusive between them. But sometimes I have to be like, you know what, this is how they're testing words and language and energy and physical touch. You know what I mean? And I, and I, and I know I'm keeping it safe at home for them, but I've definitely been worried about the language before. And it's funny. My daughter has come up with a new way to say stupid because we don't let them call each other stupid. Right. Yeah. 
even though they do all the time, but it's like one of our things. So she's like, you know, mom, smart people have a really wrinkly brain and people that aren't very smart have a smooth brain. And she goes, so I call Carson smooth brain now. Uh, <laughs> like, Whatever, dude, you know, <laughs> so creative, take that creativity and funnel it somewhere else. Right. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ella's the same way. She'll go out of her, out of her way to say something like, for instance, Ella's in school right now and Valerie's not, and Valerie is dying to go to school. Right. And Ella will just say things like out of nowhere, I got to go to school today. Right. And I'm like, why you got to say that to her? You're like, it's just the buttons that they push, but you're so right. They know. And it's funny you were saying about the comfort and the container of your home, because the other day Ella got really mouthy with me. And I said, Ella Sue, would you talk to your teacher like that? And she said, no. And I said, would you talk to our neighbors like that? And she said, no. And I said, then why in the world would you talk to mom like that? And she said, well, I know you really love me forever. And I'm, I just kind of feel comfortable. Totally. That's a great sign. And, she, and she's seven years old and she expressed that. And I'm like, yes. I know. And so I was like, oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. good feeling because I'm glad she's, she knows that we love her forever, no matter what she says or does. But in the same token, it's like, girlfriend, watch your mouth. <laughs> it's like when you're, I remember this when my kids were young, the preschool teacher or daycare would be like, they were awesome all day. I mean, Ugh. just the best. Blah, blah. And then they get in the car and they melt down with you because they're safe with you. So yeah. I, I try to really, and you're tired and they're melting down, but I try to, I try to always remember like they're doing this because they know that my love is unconditional for them and it softens my annoyance toward it. You know, Me too. I, I have to do the same thing mm -hmm. because yes, I know like some, like right now, you know, we're all on each other's nerves because we haven't traveled or been anywhere right. else. And I can tell, however, it's the comfortability mm -hmm. and I get amazing reports from school. And my pediatrician also said, she said, ah, the old devil in the world, angel at home syndrome. And I was like, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I asked, I asked Carson, my son, he's almost 15 on the way to school today about, I told him we were recording this podcast and <clears throat> I said, what's the hardest thing for you being an older brother? Cause He's almost 15. My daughter's almost 11. And he said, patience is my hardest thing. And I said, she annoys you like all day, doesn't she? He's like, yep. And I said, you know, but I said when she was a baby and she'd be back there in her front facing seat when she was a toddler, she would turn her head and just stare at you for hours. I said, you might quite possibly be, even though she purposefully bugs you all day, her favorite person in the whole world. I said, your love and support to her matter more than anything. And <clears throat> so he said what he does now at the age he's at, he goes, I just try to breathe and, and take a moment before I respond because he gets in a lot of trouble, you know, with how he responds to her. But he said something to me this morning that was actually kind of hard to hear and really important. It's something that we're definitely working on. I asked him, I said, how could, how could I do a better job? How can me and dad do a better job with the relationship between you guys? And he said, it's not always my fault. 
And he said, it seems like you guys make a lot my fault that actually isn't. And I said, you know, I actually really recognize that. And I honor that. And I was like, thanks for telling me. And I'm aware. And, and I realized that he's bigger, stronger. He's a boy. He is just by nature of his age, smarter. And when I see them in conflict, I automatically go to protect her as the girl, as the younger one, as the baby. And it's, even if it's an issue that she started, he's the one that gets in trouble so often just because of the dynamic of bigger boy, smaller girl. And so I think all of that to say, ask your kids how you think, how they think you're doing as a parent in helping them navigate their sibling relationship. It gives so much respect to the kids to ask them how they think you are as a parent and what you could do better. And you might actually get some information that is valuable because their perspective is unique to yours. You are not seeing this through the same eyes. That is such good advice. And I've, I've asked Ella before she's made comments and basically she told me that she thought that we were harder on her than we were on Valerie, my younger one. And I said, the only way I can explain it to you, if you feel that way, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Cause I know that's a real feeling. Let me explain to you the big difference between a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Like I didn't create that. I mean, yes, I did create it technically, but you're just the older sibling. And like you said, she's bigger, she's smarter, all of those things. And she fiercely loves her, but at the same time, she tries and tries things on her all the time. Mm-hmm. And very similar to what she said. I mean, she told me, she said, I think that you always pick her, you know, and it I hurt my heart um, because I don't want her to grow up like, you know, in 27 in therapy saying how she always felt inferior to her little sister. And she always was the one getting into trouble. Um, but for right now, some of it is just strictly her age. And we always say you should know better. And then I'm like, I don't think she knows better. I don't think she can know better. So then I started doing research on that and you can't, they don't have like that kind of cognitive reasoning at that age. So I've been trying really hard to be mindful of when I approach a situation, really getting both sides and not just automatically assuming it was her. Right. And so you're right. It did. It brought to light something that I needed to be aware of. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes it often is the older one, but it's, are we getting madder and more disciplinary with the older one? And are we easier on the younger one? Even if when it is the younger one's fault, it's like just being aware of our own energy toward each, each sibling. Um, And the other thing that seems to work is really sharing with the older one that being an older sibling is a responsibility. Yeah. It's not just a nothing role. It's an actual role in the family that matters to the dynamic of the family and really kind of honoring that they are the elder child and that that's really cool. And with that comes responsibility and how they are a role model and, and really letting them know that, that their actions matter for better or worse. Sometimes I think kids think that they don't really have a role in a family and their actions don't matter because they're the kid, but I really try to treat my kids with mature adult conversation and, and like, 
outlook as much as I can. I don't over adult them ever, but like I give them a lot of credit for the role they play in this world. And sometimes that really works. Sometimes they're like, whatever, go away. (laughs) You know, I I also believe in being really honest with my kids. Um, And because I feel like I want them to, it's not always pretty, you know, what's out there. And I want them to be able to recognize that and see it and know how to digest it, know what to say back, et cetera. And I think that you have to be truthful with them Mm -hmm. in order to, to achieve that. I also asked Carson when my son, the 15 year old, I asked him when things are good. Like what are we, when things are humming along well, what does that look like for us as a family? And he said, when we're doing things and that's so true, right? Yeah. I think that during this pandemic, of course, siblings have had more time than than they ever would together. And if you're feeling kind of down about the relationship between your kids at home, I think number one, know that I don't know anybody who's got this like fairy tale sibling relationship at home. Nobody, like not one person, first of all. Second of all, we've been together a lot more. And so know that it's partly situational, you know, and think about things you guys can start to do on the weekends as a family. One of our things for the year, we do a family vision board every new year's and on our family one was getting outside more. And when we are outside as a family, it is a completely different dynamic. We went on a walk, um, a little hike last month and the kids were behind us lagging walking together, talking. I mean, you don't know how rare that is. Like if we were home, there's no sitting together, talking, having a conversation with them. They were walking. They didn't want us around them. They were about a hundred feet back. And for about an hour, they, they walked and talked. And I was like, this is our medicine. This is our family medicine. This getting outside. And so no matter how busy you are, you have to really know what your family's situational medicine is and carve out the time to go do it because that was the healing of all the drama and togetherness at home. The healing was finding the activity and going and doing it and just giving space for it. I totally agree. I'm when I see that things are building or there's tension, one of us goes outside and grabs a basketball, gets on a bike grabs the dog leash, goes on and the back porch, like something. We Those are the, our go-to moves. And it's crazy. I can go pick up a basketball and then all my little duckies follow behind me. And then suddenly everybody's outside, the mood's lifted, the huh, is gone. And it's the same thing. Outside yeah. is definitely like same thing with hiking. Like when we're on a hike together, it is like the most joyous thing because everybody's focused and trying really hard and in it and look at this and talking to each other. There's no devices. It's the best. And if you would have told me four years ago that hiking was the best thing, I would have thought you were crazy because I was in that dapper stroller phase. But now we're in a phase where they can, you know, exert some energy and move forward. And it's like euphoric feeling because everybody gets along for like two hours. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think as a society, we have completely lost touch with our connection with nature. And I think anytime we can, as a group or as individuals get outside, there is such a massive shift in our mindset and in our nervous system, just reconnecting with things that 
that we are part of that we have forgotten. So I think that's great. Winter was really hard around here because Mm. it's so cold Then the pandemic. And so it was, I think for a lot of people, really, really, really tough. And especially the kids. And it's crazy. Everything is in full bloom here, like beautiful. And it's getting green and flowers. And the kids are coming alive. Mm-hmm. Like I can see a shift in my kids. The neighbor's kids are coming out. There's bicycles. You know, it's like, oh, it's such a good feeling because it, it feels very hopeful, which is yes. really nice. And That's it's beautiful. well, and when the girls are outside, the dynamic is totally different. It's a, it, they don't usually pick on each other. They don't try to beat each other up. They're usually teaming up and doing something like that. So outside is great advice and good medicine. Well, let's end on that with the homework being find out what your family medicine is and carve out time once a week, if you can, maybe every Sunday to go do that. And, you know, we get tired and we get lazy, but it is so worth the effort and the energy to do something that is screen-free together as a family. And I would say the other little assignment is to ask your kids if you've never done this. Yeah. Ask them how, how you're doing as a parent, what what am I doing a good job with? What do you think I could do better with? It is incredible to give them a little bit of power in that way. And you will be surprised not only how much they love you. Oh my gosh, that's the best part. But then also like these little, these little inklings into what they think you could do a little bit better with. It's kind of progressive. I mean, would our parents ever have done that? I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. There was no participation. No, that's a great homework. I love it. All right. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Misty. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.